Oh, man, it's exciting to be here with you. It's exciting to see what God is doing. And uh, just, just uh, what an incredible time of worship, wasn't it? Isn't good? Listen, um, we spend the time of prayer and fasting for 21 days, and so many, so many of you turn in some testimonies of the things that God had done, you know, just family members being saved and God opening doors for new homes and, and different things and healing and people being used by God to minister to others. And so just incredible. And, and uh, we hope to be able to bring those testimonies so that you can hear a little bit about what took place. And so we believe strongly that hearing testimonies encourages us. I know it encourages me. Does it encourage you? Right. So today, uh, I'd like to uh, bring up Sister Monique, who had some unique things the Lord just spoke and did through her life, and I'd like for her to share with us a little bit. In the next five minutes, we'll go ahead and, and share that. And, and uh, Monique, would you come up and share that with us? Amen. Would you welcome her with me? Here you go, Sister. Amen. You're welcome. Mm. Okay, good morning, church. How are you guys? Um, a couple things. <clears throat> First, my occupation is a mail lady, so I deliver the mail for a living Monday through Saturday. And um, this is such a wonderful testimony. I was delivering this lady's mail, and I'm new to this route that I, I put a bid on. And uh, it's amazing how much I started to realize that there are so many hurting people out here that they will share their personal business with you, a complete stranger. And so I was just delivering her mail like I do every day, and she stopped me, and she said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure, and we were talking, and she's like, yeah, I have to go today at noon for a mammogram. They found a lump, and I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, I'm really scared. And I was like, okay, who inside the Holy Spirit's like, get on this, you know what I mean? So I, I said, can I pray with you? I don't even know if I'm going to get fired for doing this because I'm uh, on the clock right now. So she's like, oh, God, yes, sure, you can pray with me. So in my, I put all my mail in my arm, and I'm, I grab her little hands, and I, I start praying with her. And I said, you know, I, I, I don't even remember what I prayed because I just asked the Holy Spirit to just flow through me so it's not me. And so... Um, I just remember saying, like, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. This lump's going to be, it's going to leave. I demand it. I, I'm commanding this thing to leave your body right now. It's alien to you. And God wants you to be whole and healed. And so I went on and went on with her about this. And she's like, okay. I said, listen, I'm going to come back. Because it was like a Friday, I believe, or Saturday. I said, I'm going to be back on Monday. I'm going to knock on your door. Because I want to know what the results are from this uh, mammogram. And then she went into an ultrasound. So Monday I go, and I, she wasn't there. I was banging on her door, and finally she comes to the door, and I said, hi. She's like, hi, I can't wait to talk to you. I've been kind of waiting for you all day. And I'm like, all right. And she come down her stairs, and she's like, they can't find the lump. Yeah. I said, what? Like, not that I don't believe in God, but I was like, really? Like, she's like, listen, the doctor can't find it. They couldn't find it in the ultrasound. So the doctor wants me to go back and get another ultrasound to look again. I said, listen, uh-uh. You are healed. It's gone. I don't care. You go to this other ultrasound. They're going to tell you it's not there. Do not listen to the enemy because it's the enemy telling you that, that it's going it, to. It, you don't want him to come back, you know. And so I was just like filling, just kind of dumping everything that I know that I read, dumping it into her. Like, have faith. This is, 
I was just shocked. I was like, oh, my God, that lump's gone. So I was so excited. So can I share a little bit about what I do, like just a little? Okay, so I made a thing. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so nervous. But I've got like this crazy excitement in my heart. It just bursts out. And so every day I, sh- I told God, I said, all right, God, you send me one person a day. I'm going to pray with one person a day. And so I said, all right. So I made this commitment. I don't care who you send my way. I don't care. Well, that's what I started with. So now I don't care who they are. I'm everywhere. I'm ever like literally in the drive-thru at McDonald's. I'm like, God loves you so much. And they're like, oh, thank you. Here's your food. And <laughs> And, and I just want to share this one thing because so many people tell all this. I mean, good things about things. So, okay, so my husband was driving. We went through Wendy's parking lot. And I just felt in my spirit that the woman that was going to hand us our food, she had a sick brother. And I said, I said, Jay. And my husband, he's saved or not saved. I don't really know. I mean, he believes in Jesus Christ, but he doesn't come to church with me. So... I'm like, Jay, and he's like, yeah, I said, I really feel in my spirit like I need to ask this woman about her brother, he's sick, and my husband's like, don't you start that, Monique, don't you do that with, you know, and so I was like, oh, God, I don't know what to do, and I honestly, I, I didn't pray for the woman, I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do, because I thought, okay, I, I don't want to embarrass my husband, I don't want to do this, but then God is starting to show me over the past couple weeks, I am not to be a man pleaser, I'm only to please him. So when he tells me to do something, I need to do it. So over the past couple weeks, God started saying to me, like, like I felt it, like, I'm not going to reveal to you something I'm not going to heal. So start stepping out, walking in your faith. And it is, oh, it's fleshly scary for me. It's, I'm like, God, I don't know if I should do this. You know, and I start getting all, my heart starts beating out of my chest. And, but I just wanted to encourage you guys and tell you, you know, like, if you, it's okay. If you hear from God, just step out in faith. I know that Jesus was rejected. I know there's going to come times when I, I might not miss, I might not like hit that mark, and I'm sure I'm going to be rejected. Um, but it's okay because I'm I'm starting to realize like I know who I am in, in the Lord, so it's okay if they bring rejection. I sowed a seed, so now I promise you I'm like a big seed sowing. It's just, I mean, crazy. I'm sowing seed. It's okay if I don't get a chance to bring them to the Lord. I sowed a seed. Somebody else will come along and water that seed. So I'm, like, just really going through all this in my life. And so on my way to church this morning, I was um, just spending time with the Lord. And I had some music on, and God said encouragement. I felt it in my, my spirit. He said encouragement. And I was like, okay, God. So if I need to encourage anybody or whatever, send them my way. And I just kept driving and kept worshiping. And then all of a sudden I felt, I felt like um, there's somebody, I don't know, because I'm, walk stepping out of faith here but that there's somebody that's dealing with um suicidal thoughts in their life so I don't know if there's anybody here um I'm assuming that God's showed me something so that I can pray with you so maybe after service if it's you if you could come and I can pray with you I would appreciate that oftentimes what happens is the people uh, here at the church, they just experienced something where God reveals something. They're like, okay, Pastor, what do I do with that? And so Monique came up to me and she said, you know, Pastor, uh, I just got this word as I was coming up to the church and that I'm supposed to bring encouragement that there are people battling or that there's someone battling with, with suicidal thoughts. 
And I thought, you know, Monique, God's been doing some incredible testimonies, some things in your life throughout the week. Why don't you share some of that? And let's take the time to pray for some, for whoever it may be that needs that. And as she was saying that, um, I just, I just sense in my spirit that to remind the church that God is the, gives hope to the hopeless. And so what I want to do right now is take the time to just uh, respond to that. God has been moving in Monique. Says she wants to, the Lord put in her heart that someone needs encouragement, that there is someone battling in their minds with specific, uh, with suicidal thoughts and the such. And right now we just want to pray. And so we're going to pray for you right now. And then afterwards, when the altar call is made, we, like, we just like to welcome you to come up to the altar. Monique's going to be here, and people are going to be here to pray here at the altar, and we love to pray with you. But I want you to f- remember this. God loves you, and right now he sent a messenger to bring encouragement to you to let you know that your life is not over. Amen. Would you close your eyes with me? Let's pray. Father, right now, do a mighty work. Bring your hope. Bring your peace. Bring your joy. Monique, would you lead us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just come to you right now, Lord, and I just thank you. I thank you for being our Father. I thank you for the guidance and the love that you show us. God, I just ask that you would have your way in your congregation's lives, God. Just touch your people and let them know how much they're loved. God, reveal to them who they are in you. Lord, I just thank you so much. Lord, I just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless God. Thank you so much, Sister Monique. We appreciate you. Bless you. Amen. If the ushers would you. Okay. I want to talk to you today about, uh, I'm so excited about that. I'm excited that, that, that she shared that testimony today. Because we start a series about being people of the kingdom of God, where we walk in the power and in the presence of the kingdom of God. And, you know, I want to ask you a question. Do you ever allow yourself to think that God has a dream for you? Do you allow yourself to think that God has a vision for life for you? Jesus, in that prayer portion of Scripture that we just read, says, pray this way, hallowed be thy name. Right? Worship the Lord for who he is. And then secondly, he said, pray this way, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Lord, just as you're being obeyed and as your will is accomplished in the heavenly realm, so let it be here on earth. And that's not just a reality in our community, right? We're not just saying, you know what, Oregon needs you, Toledo needs you. They're really a mess. God, let your will be done in Toledo and Oregon. They really need you. That's saying, Lord, I really need you. I desperately need you. I'm really a mess. Let your kingdom come, your will be done here, as it is in heaven. They say, respond to the Lord and to his dream. Say, God, I know that you have a will. I acknowledge that you have a vision. I acknowledge that you have a dream for me. Let it be accomplished in me. Just as your will isn't done in heaven, so let it be in me. Ephesians chapter 2.10, we quote that so much here. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do work that he prepared for you to do ahead of time. You're not just a coincidence. You're made by God with a purpose. I know some of us would say, can that purpose come a little bit quicker? 
Can that purpose be a little bit clearer? Can that purpose sweep me up right now? Because I feel like there is no purpose, but I want you to know something. There is a purpose. God has a dream, and you're incredible, valuable. I want you to envision what God envisions for you. Number one, he envisions for you to live a life with no shame, no guilt, and with forgiveness. That is the will of God. This is why he sent his son on the cross for you. So that you'd wake up in the morning, and instead of being arrested by depression and hopelessness, you can get up knowing, by spirit I will rise from the ashes of the feet. Instead of waking up in the morning with sorrow and without being able to see where you're going to get strength for living, that you will wake up with the joy of the Lord. Because, because you know, greater is he that lives in you than him that lives in the world. God's dream and vision for you is that you would be so close to him and him so close to you that you would be in communion with him daily in the fellowship of his peace, of his joy, of his grace. He wants to inundate you so much with his presence that it is evident that he is alive in you. That's his desire for you personally. And not only is he saying, I want you to walk in forgiveness, and I want you to walk in grace, and I want you to know my love. He's saying, now, I want you to not only know these things, I want you to extend those things. I want you to be my ambassador, and I want you to go to your workplace and bring grace. I want you to go to your kids and give forgiveness. I want you to go to your marriage and bring peace, right? This is what God said. He says, isn't that great, the work that I've done in your life? Great. Now, let's work together and bring my kingdom on earth towards those who are broken, right? So when I heard the testimony of so many of you and how God used you throughout the time of your fasting and how you continue to desire for God to use you, it's great. It is great to hear that a male lady's crazy enough to pray for somebody. Right? It is great to hear how some of you say that you stop your day and you turn and you go the opposite direction and minister unto the Lord or minister to someone as the Lord leads you. Some of you said, I was just fasting some things, and the Lord said, I need you to fast more because I want you to do greater. There are some things, some work that I have for you to do. And that's the dream of God. God desires for you to engage with him as he changes the world. I envision students going to school, bringing hope to the hopeless and joy, and declaring the word of God boldly. I envision people of God going to their workplace with a greater level of creativity of peace, of joy, and honor, bringing a whole nother atmosphere to their workplace. I envision, I envision homeschooling moms, you know, filled with the presence of God, understanding that their job and their position is honorable as they raise their children and instruct them in the way of the Lord. I envision school teachers that are walking with such an excellent spirit that they're changing their schools inside out. Imagine this with me. Envision what God desires for you in your workplace and where you may be. Because God's desire is to use you. He desires it. He longs for it. Not only that you would know his forgiveness, but listen to this, that you would extend his forgiveness. As we pray as a leadership, that's what we're saying. Not that you would come here so that you can experience a move of God, but that you would leave from here committed to be the movement of God. Are you with me? 
Not only that you would come here to experience the move of God, but that you would leave here as the movement of God in every facet, every area of our community with the love of God, bringing the hope of Jesus and the truth of God's word to a compromising culture that doesn't know right from left, north from south. Amen. That is the desire that God would move through your lives to bring about his kingdom reality. And so because of that, we're going to dive into the uh, determinations of people of the kingdom. Or we're going to dive into a series about what it looks like to be the people of the kingdom. And what are some determinations that we need to have if we're going to be people of the kingdom of God. In other words, people who experience the presence of God like that and who move in the presence of God like that and who want God to use them that way. Do you want to be used by God? You want to engage with God in his dream for you? There are determinations that we need to have, and I'm going to share one determination with you today because one is enough. And this is the determination that the people of God need to have, and that determination is this. You and I have to determine to live lifestyles of repentance. You and I have to determine to live lifestyles, live a life of repentance. You know, as I was preparing the message, I thought for sure that I was going to be talking about determined to see ourselves as sons and daughters of God who are favored by God. And I was going to talk about the favor of God and the love of God over you. And all of that is good and all of that is true, but it doesn't come before repentance. So we're going to park in repentance because I believe the Lord was telling me strongly that repent, it begins with repentance, right? And so God wants us to live a lifestyle of repentance. Now, what does repentance mean? And, and I want to go to that definition today, give you a working definition that I have that I think would help us to biblically understand what the Bible means when it says repentance. And repentance is, is this, when a person responds to the conviction of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, it is a turning away from a sinful life and all its practices to live by and surrender to the word of God and his commands. So what is repentance? Repentance is I'm walking this way, I'm living this way, in a way that doesn't please the Lord. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit of God reveals to me that this doesn't please the Lord. And I respond to that conviction, to that revelation, and I choose to turn around and walk in an opposite direction to honor God because I don't want to practice things that dishonor Him. I want to practice a lifestyle that gives Him the glory and the honor. That's repentance. Now, you and I both know the truth about repentance in today's culture. It's like a bad word. Some of us hear repentance, and it sounds heavy. Oh, repentance. We don't see repentance for what it is, but look at repentance for what it is. Repentance means that we can get to God. Repentance means that God has made a way for us to connect with him. Repentance actually means that he's a God of second chances. I don't know about you, but I need second chances. I need grace. Repentance means that God has made a way for me to be free from condemnation and so that I can walk free from shame. And that is a gift from God. That's why it begins with the Holy Spirit. It begins with the Holy Spirit bringing conviction in our lives. And as he convicts us, we make a choice not to grieve the Holy Spirit and listen to what God is revealing and turning around and listening to him. That's repentance. But today, repentance has become like a bad word because there is, there is, there is a, a culture of what I call a false, harmful, perverted tolerance. And tolerance stands in the way of repentance because repentance implies that someone is right and someone is wrong. Repentance is, implies that I cannot just have my way. Repentance implies that there are habits that need to be broken that aren't pleasing to God. 
It implies submission and surrender. It implies having to humble myself and acknowledge my mistakes. And you and I both know that is unacceptable in today's culture. And you and I, you and I, and me every day, me every day, I'm called not only to say that I repented once, but every day live a lifestyle of repentance. Because every day as I walk with the Lord, he reveals new things to me. And it, it feels like I'm getting saved all over again. Like, whoa, I didn't know that. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I sit and I listen to some messages, and they're so powerful, and they're so convicting, and they're so life-changing. It's like, man, I just got saved all over. Glory. Right? I don't mean that. I know that I've been saved all along, but it's like a new level of revelation has taken my walk with Jesus to a higher level, right? And I celebrate that. When you do life with Jesus, he's going to speak into your life so much so that every day you're going to feel he's calling you up higher and closer because he loves you so much. It's going to bring you into greater intimacy with him. And that's what a lifestyle of repentance means. But today's tolerance stands in the way of that. Because today's tolerance really means deviating from the truth in order to accommodate and welcome practices that God has forbidden. Tolerance says, well, you know, everybody's right. Everybody can do whatever they want. Whatever makes them happy, that's okay. And that's what the world and our culture lives by today. Now, I want you to understand very clearly there are friends of mine that I have that I disagree with strongly. I have friends who are Muslims who are obviously disagree with strongly. But I have reverence for them, and I honor them, and I can be respectful, but I will not compromise the message of Jesus Christ. I will not compromise the message of Jesus Christ as Savior. I will not compromise the morality of the Scripture. God is who he says he is. His commands are what they are. My job is not to compromise or tolerate with sin, but rather to honor his word. If we're going to be a people of the kingdom of God who experience the power of God, we have to stop making excuses for the word of God. We got to stop compromising in order to make ourselves and others comfortable. We got to speak the truth and believe this about truth. Truth is a person. Truth is not relative. Truth is not just how I see it and how you see it. Truth is Jesus, and everything is defined by the person of Jesus Christ. And if it doesn't line up to his word, it's a deviation from the truth, and all deviation from the truth is a lie. It's not, a, it's not acceptable in this culture. I understand that. I can disagree with this world, and I can disagree respectfully and reverently, but I disagree, and I will declare the truth. Now, in light of that reality, Repentance is a lifestyle that you and I have to commit to. Repentance is a lifestyle that you and I every day have to keep in mind. And I, I want to share with you a scripture. If you go with me to Matthew chapter 3. Those who are operating in the kingdom reality and who are used by God are those who every day are drawn closer to God and live in lifestyles of repentance. We have to determine to do so. Uh, and, uh, and so as we go there, again, let me just share some truth about repentance. As you go to that scripture, so you be ready. I want to just slowly declare these things, and I want you to hear there, this. If repentance is necessary, then the pursuit of happiness is not the purpose of life. I want you to hear that. If repentance is necessary, if we need to repent of sin, then that means that we, our, the purpose for life is not for us to be happy. 
And I know that that's a hard word. And some here would say, well, wait a minute. I don't understand what you're saying. Are you saying that God doesn't want us to be happy? Absolutely not. God wants you to be happy. But he knows that you're not going to be happy if you just follow whatever your heart desires. He knows that the way the true happiness is to joy is to commit to a relationship with him. And any healthy relationship has boundaries, right? Any married folk here, right? Have you um, recognized that if you talk to your spouse any kind of way, there's going to be all kinds of consequences? Anybody with me? Thou shall not sleep on the couch, right? Any healthy, good relationship is going to have healthy boundaries. And a relationship with God has boundaries, right? And it is through that relationship that we encounter true contentment, true peace, and true joy. And the truth of the matter is that if the pursuit of happiness is not the purpose of life because we're called to repentance. So therefore, the pursuit of happiness is not the purpose of life. If we give ourselves then to whatever our hearts desires, we'll self-destruct. Isn't that the truth? How many people do we know in our lives who just did not keep themselves from what they desired? And what they desired led them away further and further and further away. Yet the message of popular culture is the purpose of happiness. That's what you live for, for happiness. The the message of secular psychology, somebody asked me, is psychology good, Pastor? I said, psychology is really good. The study of the mind is really, we should be studying the way we think. Yeah, is science good? Absolutely. We should be studying the order of creation. The question is the foundation of the science and the foundation of the psychology. Secular psychologists believe Abraham Maslow and Freud, who believe that the purpose of living is your own happiness and whatever your heart desires. We don't believe that. The scripture clearly says that the heart is wicked above all things, that we have to guard our hearts because from it flows the issues of life. We believe the purpose of living is to give glory to God. And so the foundation of our psychology and our science and the way that we see the origin of life completely changes the way we treat and see and, and, and act and tell people to practice life. It's totally different. If repentance is necessary, it means that this heart may desire wicked things that don't line up to God's word. And if there are people out there who have wicked thoughts like you and I, and they give themselves to their wicked desires, can you imagine what this world would be like? Some of us don't even have to imagine it. We've experienced it, right? It's just the truth. But repentance is necessary. And there's a man in the Bible called John the Baptist who preached the one very radical message of repentance. And I want to read that scripture because I think it's so powerful and awesome. And it reads this way. Now, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now, John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Okay, the dude was eating grasshoppers. He was wearing camel's hair. It just sounds so itchy, right? This is not, this is not like, this is not saying he's wearing, you know, top-of-the-line clothes. This is, this is clearance stuff, right? He, he's gone to the clearance rack, right? So then Jerusalem was going out to him in all Judea and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the wrath to come? Now here's John the Baptist. A bunch of sinners and people are coming to him, and they're repenting of their sins, and they're turning to God. And then the religious establishment is also coming. Many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who are people who were basically uh, the leaders, the influencers over the people of Israel, uh, were coming to John the Baptist. And he said, Yeah, brood of vipers. 
In other words, deceivers, liars. Uh, who told you that you needed to flee from the wrath of God? How did you come to this knowledge? Talk about a, talk about a church sign. Right? Yeah, it's brood of vipers. Kind of crazy. Not so welcoming. Not so welcoming. Okay. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. I want you to notice that. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourself, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that for, from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. In other words, he's saying repentance is not something you do once. It's something that just bears fruit. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance means, okay, I'm not going to practice a sinful lifestyle. Therefore, I'm going to turn around and live a lifestyle that honors God. And those practices are practices that are fruit that gives glory to God. I have to bear fruit in repentance. In other words, if I repent it, my life, my talk, my walk, the way I treat my children, my wife, the, the people at the church, wherever I go at the drive through can I get a witness? All of that is going to be influenced by my repentance. Right. All of it. And he said, and do not say to yourself, you're the children of Abraham. In other words, he's saying, look, I know Abraham's your great, 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 great grandpa. And you think you're covered because he was so awesome. He was awesome, but you're like not covered. Right. You ever been there? You're like, man, I'm good. You know, because, you know, my mama is such and such and she can pray. Woo, man, I am. I'm super good. I know Nancy Harsh, and she prays for me every day, and she's down with Jesus. So, you know, I'm like down by association, glory. <laughs> All right, that ain't going to happen. It says, don't even think to yourself that become, because you come from righteousness that you're going to be accepted by God. God can raise children to himself from these stones. Ain't that something? Verse 11, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. In other words, Jesus is coming. He's coming. His kingdom is coming, and God is going to bring either salvation and judgment. And I want you to know something. When Jesus returns... We're going to experience the full salvation or the full judgment of God, right? For those who believe in his name, they will be saved, and they will receive. Again, we have received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit already, but we will receive the total transformation that he promises in his scripture. But to those who do not believe, the Bible says judgment awaits those who do not believe, right? This is the message of repentance. Believe his word and follow through. Now, when you look at John the Baptist, John the Baptist's life is a picture of content before God. He lived in the wilderness. He ate only what was available and necessary. His apparel was not the source of his influence. His life was marked by fasting. He remained humble. There isn't an account of compromise in his life. And he didn't even have a blinding ambition that got in the way of him honoring Jesus. I mean, think about how powerful his ministry was. The dude didn't even get jealous. They were like, hey, John, I don't know about you or if you notice, but like your disciples are leaving you for that guy. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm faithful. I don't know about y'all. What you going to do about that, John? Like, hey, whoa, hold on. I'm here to celebrate him. Right? Imagine what kind of humility this man had, right? All this ministry, all this influence throughout the entire, that entire region. And instead of wanting the glory for himself, he recognizes he had no blinding ambition. And he said, hey, he's the man. I'm just like a friend of the man. I'm glad, I'm glad to be a part of this. John was preaching repentance, and I want to tell you why this repentance was so radical. 
Because what he was saying was totally different than what the culture had accepted. And the culture had accepted this. Culture had accepted just go to the temple, sacrifice your animals, and let someone stand in the gap for you and just pray for you and do this over and over again because you're a sinner, you're going to continue to be a sinner. What you need is a sacrifice to cover your sins. But what John is saying is no more. He was saying do away with sin, period. Don't let sin be a part of your life. Do not look to cover your sins. Look to expose your sins. Deal with them. Confess them. Get rid of them because the kingdom of God is coming. It's a powerful message. It's a radical message. And I want to tell you something. In order for us to walk in the kingdom of God, we have to be willing to walk in this kind of repentance that John was talking about. So I want to talk to you about what it looks like to live lifestyles of repentance. What does it look like then for me if I'm going to live a life of repentance? Number one, are you ready? We have to be committed to the word of God. If I'm going to live a life of repentance, of honoring God, I have to, number one, make a commitment to the word of God. You want to know why? Because it is through the word of God that I get the revelation of sin in my life and of righteousness. If there's something wrong in my life that doesn't line up to the Word of God, the Word of God will reveal it and expose it. And so the best thing that I can do is every day be in the nourishment of the Word of God so that the Word of God would cleanse me, encourage me, empower me to walk away from sin and walk in holiness. Right? The Holy Spirit, and I want to tell you something, I've not arrived. There are times where I open my Bible and God has a scripture for me and he just, I mean, I get slapped up in the Spirit, right? Not in a negative way, but the Holy Spirit just really deals with issues in my life. That's still happening. Why? Because every day I'm growing and being cleansed by the Word of God. We're all in this together. The Word of God, the Bible says, is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it divides between soul and spirit. Some would say, isn't it the same, the soul and spirit? Totally different. The soul is your desire. The spirit is that which has been made alive by God so that you can hear the Word of God. And what he's saying is that line is so... Where they connect is so tied together that you need something so effective that will tell you the difference between what you desire and the will of God. The only thing that can tell that difference is the Word of God sharpened into a double-edged sword. So we need to every day be in the Word of God because there's all kinds of things, right, that God wants to reveal to get out of our lives so that we can walk in holiness and in purity. I remember sitting over here after I preached the message, not here, but in another church, but on this side of that church. But as I was sitting there after I preached the message, something just didn't sit right in my spirit. Like, God, I just feel like something's not right, like something's off. And I opened the scripture, and God, like I did one of those, God, I don't know if you're speaking to me, but I'm just going to flip open, right? Just that, God done preaching, and I do the whole flip a Bible, see if God speaks to me verse deal, right? I know y'all never done that, but... I just done preaching, and I sat down, and there my eyes landed on a verse that said, you seek the scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but the scriptures speak of me, yet you neglect me. It's like, wow. And the first thing I said was, (laughs) those Pharisees are really screwed up. I'm so glad that's not me. Right? Immediately, I was thinking, that's not for me. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, no, that's for you. You're doing ministry, and you're studying the word but you're forgetting that this is about a relationship with me. You need to repent. There I was, just finished preaching a message, and God's dealing with me right here. Another time I'm reading the scripture, and I go to Psalm 36, and it says, you know, the wicked does this thing in his heart. The wicked flatters himself so much that he cannot even tell his sin, and he cannot detect it to the point that he detects it and gets rid of it. And I thought to myself, boy, I know people like that. It's incredible. 
so-and-so and so-and-so. <laughs> they just got so much issues. I don't know why they don't. Everybody sees it, right? And as I was praying, I was like, Lord, <laughs> right? You never done that. Okay, I got you, Tony. I got you. <laughs> but then the Lord was speaking to me. He says, no, son, that's you. You're flattering yourself too much in your own eyes to acknowledge that there's a sin in your life that I'm trying to get out. I love you. That's why I'm exposing this in your heart. Just last week, I come to the church, and I'm praying, and I'm saying God, Zach's going to be here. He's going to minister a powerful word, and I want you to move in power. Just whatever you want to do, just speak. Just have your way, and the Lord leads me to a verse. And that verse says, you know, if you consecrate something, in other words, if you declare something to be holy, and then later you think about it and you say, oh, wait a minute, I didn't count the cost. That's, that's going to be a snare. That's going to create problems in your life later. And for some reason, that verse was speaking to me. I was like, man, that can't be for me. Right? And if you're not careful, sometimes you rebuke the Lord. Right? Thinking is the devil. I rebuke that. Glory. Man, you walk away from that, but hey, you ain't, you ain't going to be able to rebuke that, Jack. Right? Because <laughs> big Jesus loves you too much to leave you in sin. And as I was sitting there, I was like, God, is that for me? What's that about? And the Lord said, listen, I've called you to live a consecrated life. And there are things in your life I'm trying to drive even further away from you. Are you going to say yes to me or stay in the same place? If you stay in the same place, it's going to affect you, your marriage, your family, and your church. It's like, okay, okay, deal with me. Deal with me. And you know, when God gives strong words like that, some of us may think, man, I don't want to hear a word of God that strongly in my life. But let me tell you something. Every time God speaks like that, you'll sense the love of God. It's never, I'm pushing you away. It's always, I'm drawing you closer. I love you so much. Man, I remember saying in my mind, I'll never reveal to anyone that God's called me into ministry. I was convinced. That's the last thing I'm going to do. And a preacher, a, preacher came, a, a, a preacher came to the church. You got to be careful with these preachers, right? They come and they call your number out. I had no idea. I was unaware. I was still young. I was about 19. And he said, you, young man, come here. He said, the Lord, I see you with a hammer and a nail and you're hammering a coffin in it, and you're in that coffin. It's like, okay, great, in front of everybody. Like, there's a corner over there. We could have talked about it. (laughs) So I'm like, what is this all about? And he says, the Lord is telling me that you're putting to death the ministry that he put in your heart. Oh, man. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to do the man thing, not cry. Well, I'm like, I'm like shaking, like. Holy Spirit done got in me, and I'm all messed up, right? I got the boogers flowing, right? Sing right, right? It's the love of God, right? The love of God calls us out because he refuses to leave us in sin. But we have a choice to make. And if we're going to be people who live in repentance, then you and I have to commit to accept the word of God. And this is the commitment that we have to make. Lord, reveal your word to me through your scriptures through my brothers, through the past, reveal whatever you're speaking, whatever you're saying, let it be clear to me. I make a commitment to obey. I know it's going to hurt sometimes. I'm going to obey. I know it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to obey. Kingdom people, obey. We're going to live lifestyles of repentance. We got to commit to the word of God. Secondly, we got to commit to the gift of God. I want to tell you about this gift I gave my daughter Mia. I Rebecca and I went to the store. We have this dream and this 
nostalgic desire for our kids to be instrumental and to play instruments. And, you know, we want them to play the cello and the guitar and the drum. We want them to love instruments. We want them to be musical. So we started investing in instruments. And we bought her a little $200 guitar that's fit for her. It sounded really good, kept a good tone. We thought, this is great. But Mia is like not playing it, right? Because really, it's not just her fault, but it requires me motivating her, giving her vision for what could be, and sitting with her and teaching her how to play the guitar. And um, that comes with work, right? And so that thing has been collecting dust, right? It's just sitting there like an artifact from long, long ago, right? And she's not really using it, so we got to pick that up. She's got to pick that up. She's got to get motivated. She's not going to become an accomplished guitarist because she has a guitar. And you and I, and you and I cannot be growing healthy Christians unless we're practicing the gift of repentance. Just like an instrument, like a guitar, like a bike that we need to learn to ride, repentance is a lifestyle that we need to stay in. Are you with me? Some would say, well, pastor, I just get tired of falling short. Join the club, glory. Hashtag join the club. <laughs> right? Anybody with me? I mean, we get tired of falling short. You know, some, some, some of the hardest time we have is forgiving ourselves because we fall short. But I use this illustration all the time. We got to learn to fall forward. We're going to fall short. But if we fall short and learn to fall forward, okay, I made a mistake. Okay, but how am I going to rise from this defeat? What am I going to add to my life to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Right? And we're going to grow from our mistakes. Because even in those places, God's going to teach us. To, hey, you know, when you're learning to ride a bike, do you bump your knee? Do you fall sometimes? It's your dad or your mom or whoever taught you. says, you know, you should never ride a bike. It's just never going to happen for you. So is holiness. So is repentance. It is an instrument, a gift from God that you and I have to be trained by. You and I have to commit to the word of God. You and I have to commit to the gift of repentance. And third, we got to commit to the people of God. We have to commit to the people of God. I want to share this with you. There are sins, there are issues in your life, I said your life, just like there are issues in my life that I am not going to overcome unless I have accountability in my life. There have been issues in my life that I prayed and fasted and heard sermons and had incredible experiences in the church that I wish would have been broken by that, but they were not broken until I had accountability in my life. I remember loving God, being passionate for him, and strongly struggling with pornographic addiction, wanting to do ministry, wanting to preach the word, and having this incredible stronghold over my life. I just felt like this thing is never breaking. I would fast, and I would pray, and I would listen to sermons, and I'd come to church, and I'd come to the altar, and I would fast, and I would pray and listen to sermons and come to the church and go to the altar and commit myself to ministry. And over and over again, I did it over and over. I even told myself, I'm going to learn the word until I sin no more. Do you know what the missing factor was? I was defeated. I'm in Bible school, studying pastoral ministry, addicted to pornography, sitting in my bed feeling hopeless. And a brother in Christ came up to me, led by the Spirit, and said, Los, I'm sensing you're struggling with pornography, man. Can we talk about that? And I broke, and I wept, and wept, and wept, and wept. It was like the dirty secret that I felt if I ever told the church, I would never be accepted. 
try to break it by myself. But the Lord wouldn't allow it. You know why? Because that kind of independence is from hell. That kind of independence is actually isolation. And it's the devil's number one tool to keep you in sin. And that brother looked at me and he said, Los, I got you. We're going to have victory. And then I remember again, I shared with you, being at the altar when a preacher on that same, around that same time said, there's someone here called the ministry. We're here in front of future pastors. There's someone here called the ministry, studying ministry, and they're battling with a strong addiction to pornography. God's saying, today's your day of freedom, but you've got to come up to this altar. And I had to think to myself, <laughs> wait a minute. Why don't these preachers just like the corner? Like, talk to me. What's the deal with these preachers? And at that moment, I, I knew I can, if I go up there, I'm going to lose my reputation. But if I stay here, I'm never going to be free. And I made a decision to be free. I made a decision to be free. If you and I are going to be people who walk out repentance, we got to look for accountability. I got accountability right now. I got accountability holds me accountable to make sure I keep my eyes holy. I got accountability right now to make sure to talk to me about how I'm doing in my marriage, how I'm doing as I'm raising my children, whether I'm getting in the word just to get in the word to preach a sermon or whether I'm getting in the word to know Jesus. Because I realize that if I'm going to walk in victory, it requires repentance. And repentance means that I'm going to go up to a brother and say, you know what, Dallas? Truth of the matter is, I'm a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. And I need you to hold me accountable. If once a month you would just, hey, if you would just ask me how I'm doing in this area. If we can just sit once a week and talk about this. We all need it. Now, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying go tell your business to everybody. I'm saying, Lord, pray to the Lord. Lord, teach me and show me. Help me to build relationships with kingdom people who love you too much to have sin in their lives. And teach me to do life with them that I will be victorious. And that I will rise from these ashes of defeat because you're resurrecting me. Would you stand with me? We're going to be people who walk in the power and authority of the kingdom of God. And receive this vision for life. There are certain determinations that we need to have. And one of those determinations is committing to a lifestyle of repentance hmm. I'm committed and since I'm committed to repentance basically I'm letting you know my card that means every day I have flaws and issues that I got to repent of I'm committed I'm committed would you pray with me right now Lord thank you repentance is not a heavy pill repentance is not a hard word repentance is joy <laughs> It's a celebration, celebration of the fact that we don't have to stay stuck in our sins and we can walk free in you because you made a way. We thank you for the gift of repentance. We thank you that you will teach us to honor it, be trained by it, and live lifestyles of repentance. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. What an awesome God you are. Now, as we're praying today, you're sitting here today and you're recognizing, you know what, Pastor? I love the word and I honor the word, but today as you're preaching, I recognize that I haven't held up the word in that great esteem to the point that I said, 
I am going to allow my life to, I am going to lead my life to line up to the Word of God. I've honored the Word of God and I'd love to hear it preach, but I've not made that strong commitment that says, I am going to live by the Word of God whether it hurts or not. And today I recognize that that's a commitment that I need to make because that's the commitment of the kingdom people. I will live by the Word of God. With its rewards and its consequences, I will live by the Word of God. There's a great missionary who said this. His name is Jim Elliott. He says, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In other words, it is not foolish to give up this world and everything this world will give you because you won't be able to keep it. It is not foolish to give up those things for eternity, which is something the, the devil in this world can never take from you. And here's the issue about repentance and holiness. The world will have you believe, man, I will have to give up so much to live that way. But the truth is, you're giving up too much not living that way. You're giving up a healthy marriage. You're giving up healthy relationships. You're giving up uh, healthy finances. You're giving up freedom from addiction. Oh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Today you're saying, I want to line up. I want my lives to line up to the word of God. I make a commitment, a strong commitment to honor the word of God. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Here are people, and we raise our hands realizing we're not perfect, but we make a commitment to your word. And Lord, I thank you that you would teach us to honor your word, to honor your voice in our lives. Whether we read your scriptures or you speak to us through a brother or a sister in Christ or through a message, God, we make a commitment to your word. Teach us to be students of your word and of the way that we would honor you in every way. In every way. Lord, as my brothers and sisters raise their hands, I thank you that they are not going to depend on their strength. Because the moment they said that they want to line up to your word, your Holy Spirit will come in and strengthen them to live the life. Your Holy Spirit will teach them to live in repentance, to walk it out. It is your grace. It is your Holy Spirit. It is your work. They're not alone. You're with them. You're with them. Lord, I bless them today. I bless them today. Maybe you're here today and you recognize, hey, you know what? Um, the, the issue is I, I realize today and I hear it loud and clear. I need accountability in my life. And I'm asking that God will help me and, and guide me so that I may build relationships that will bring accountability in my life. Would you raise your hand if that's you right where you're at? Amen. Men of God, can I talk to you for a minute with your hand right? I, I, want, I want to talk to you for a minute. The devil wants you isolated. It's not the plan of God for you. Your greatest dreams are going to be accomplished in community through allowing people to speak into your life. Papa, I pray for every man of God here in this church with their hand raised. I thank you, God, that they would be mighty warriors, victorious, more than conquerors. I bless them in the mighty name of Jesus and my sisters in Christ who raised their hands. Oh, Lord God, so many have been broken and hurt because they've opened up their hearts to some and they have taken advantage of that. God, not been good stewards, God, of their confession, but I thank you that they will not give up on community that's healthy and on accountability, Father God. And that, Lord God, I thank you that you would help each and every one of us to seek out healthy, accountable relationships with people who hate sin and love God. 
and love you. Lord, do it in this church in Jesus' mighty name. Now, last thing, last thing is this. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to make a commitment like John the Baptist. I want to be the kind of guy that declares the truth of God and brings the kind of, that has the kind of influence that brings about kingdom change in my workplace, in my family, in my relationships. I want the power of God to fill me so strongly that when I declare his truth, people are changed. I want, I want to have testimony of God using me this way. If that's you, would you come up to the altar right now? Let's pray together. Jesus, come up to the altar. You know, the Bible says as Peter was being used by God, that there were many, that there were the, the people who were in power and authority threatened Peter, said, don't you dare preach this. And they flogged him and, and mistreated him. And he was so excited about being mistreated. Can you imagine that? He was excited about being mistreated for Jesus. And he went and he was praying with the church and he said, Lord, now consider their threats and the things that they said about me. We're not asking that you would remove their threats. We're asking that you would make us bolder so that we could declare your truth. And the Bible says the power of the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were filled by the presence of God. As you stand here and you make a commitment, you're saying, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be a people pleaser. I don't want to just go by this culture. I want to declare the truth of God. And I want to have boldness and courage to declare the truth of God. God will meet you with his power. He will meet you with his presence. He will meet you. Just like he told Monique, I'm not asking you to pray for someone that I'm not going to move in their lives. If I'm asking you to pray for them, it's because I'm going to move in their lives. God is saying to you, I'm not asking you to walk out and then I'm going to leave you hanging. I got your back. And I got your front, and I'm surrounding you, and it's me through you. Amen. Let's pray. Would you raise your hand right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, may the power of the kingdom of God be among your people right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Fill them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, today they stand before you and they say they want to be used to bring about change in their community, in their homes, in their lives. God, let them be like John the Baptist, uncompromising people who are content in you, God, and who trust you with their life, with their finances, with their relationships, and say yes to you in every way. I thank you that you will turn families around. I thank you, God, that you would turn finances around. I thank you that you would turn around schools through them, that you would turn around workplaces through them, God, that you would turn around relationships. I thank you, God, that you would break the bondage of sin. I thank you, God, that you would break the bondage of addiction, God. I thank you, Lord God, that you would use each and every one of of the people here today to bring about your kingdom, God, in their communities in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I declare over each and every one here, there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. When the enemy comes in like a flood, it is the Lord himself that's going to stand against the enemy of your soul. I declare over you that greater is he that is in you than him that is in the world. And we send you out. We send you out. In the name of Jesus, may the power of the Holy Spirit be with you. Go advance the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we bless God today? Amen. Amen. If you need prayer today.
We're going to be here at the altar. I'd like to welcome the altar workers to come up so that we can pray. If you need prayer today, would you, would you at this time come up? We'd love, we love to pray with you. Man, God bless you. Hope to see you at the chili cook-off right after this, all right? Bless you.